Imagine being 18. Imagine living away from home for the first time. Imagine having to fend for yourself in a sea of choices. Imagine living in a 10 by 10 room with a complete stranger. Imagine being stressed, staying up late, getting up early, being busy all day. Imagine being homesick. Imagine realizing that the plan that you have for the rest of your life isn't what you thought it would be. Hello, my name is Natalie Nation and you're listening to Feed That Nation. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the truth behind the Freshman 15, a myth that is nearly universal in conversations about college life. The idea that inevitable weight gain across large populations of students across an entire country is baffling to me, and I wanted to dig deep and get to the bottom of what I would consider to be an underrepresented health issue in young adults. The premise behind the Freshman 15 is that first-year college students, called freshmen, gain 15 pounds from unhealthy choices and lifestyle changes in their first year of college. When I was researching the Freshman 15, I realized that not only did I want to talk about why students are gaining weight, but I also wanted to talk about their environment, the college campuses that they live on, and how those factors come into play. In part A of this episode, I'll be chatting about college students, health, and causes for weight gain, as well as university environments with Christina Meyer-Jacks, a registered dietitian in the Twin Cities area. Well, thanks so much for having me, Natalie. I'm really excited to be here. It really kind of blends a lot of my passion areas. As, as my background in nutrition has varied, everything from working in higher education to creating healthy living environments and eating environments at Google, and even working in food industry and healthcare. So it's this topic um, is near and dear to my heart because it's how do you create systems that help people's health behaviors just sort of happen naturally. Exactly. So when talking about the freshman 15, the first thing I did was I looked up research to see if there was actually proof that college students gain the freshman 15. And what I found was that they don't, on average, gain 15 pounds, but there were over 60% of college students gaining weight in their first year of college, and that the students who gained weight were gaining between seven and eight pounds on average, which is still a significant amount, even if it's not the 15. Right. I mean, saying 15 is kind of sensationalistic, but on average, you know, if you're at around seven pounds, you definitely have people who are gaining more, right, if you're doing an average. Um, and yeah, that is significant, especially depending on, you know, certain body size. So, um, you know, when students are coming into a college campus, it's a totally new eating experience for them. And if it's not set up to help them be successful, it is all too easy to gain that weight. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of stressors, because you worked in higher education, Yes. what kinds of stressors do you see in college students when they first come to school? Yeah, well, at first, it's just they, a lot of their home environments, they didn't have a lot of choice around their food, right? You know, a caregiver, parent, whatever was bringing food in. And yes, maybe the high school students going out to eat and, you know, doing fast food and things like that from time to time. But the majority of their food choices for their upbringing um, has happened because of the family environment that they were in. So they come to a college campus, and now all of a sudden, all the choices are theirs, right? And the knowledge or ability to make healthy choices may not be there. So the stressor of maybe missing the home environment, but also of just not really knowing 
how to, and really being food literate on how to create healthy meals, um, sort of leaves kids to their own devices. And I would honestly say, too, um, human behavior, most uh, college settings are set up for all you can eat for freshmen, right? So if you come in as a freshman, you, you didn't sit at home and have a big buffet sitting in front of you. Did you, Natalie? Did you have a big buffet every night of all the choices? I did not. My mother can confirm. <laughs> and so if you think about it, human behavior, we are more prone to eat more. So research has shown we eat more when we're presented with a variety of foods because we want to taste a little bit of everything. Exactly. And then we're also, uh, we sort of eat to complete, right? So if we have a big plate of food, we'll tend to eat it. And so when price is not an issue because you're not seeing, you're not paying the five bucks right off the bat. It's part of like your meal plan. Mm -hmm. So it's all you can eat once you get in there. That really sets kids up for um, sort of a weight gaining scenario, right? Because they want to try lots of new things. They sort of, you know, we eat to complete. We eat all of this food and we might be stress eating too, right? So students come in and everything's so new. And one of the factors that could lead to this weight gain is um, turning to food to help relieve stress. Exactly. And I remember being a college student and sometimes staying up really late. I've never actually pulled an all-nighter, but I know people who have. And when you're up late at night, you're often snacking. And since you're not normally up that late, you're eating calories that you wouldn't normally eat. Yeah, so true. And, um, you know, and I think that that's the other scenario that really happens is sort of the the outside of the normal sleep schedule. So those neurotransmitters that tell you that you should go to bed also drive hunger cues. So, so having adequate amount of sleep, which most college students, that's a whole nother subject, but most college students don't get, um, being sleep deprived will lead, and research does show, will lead, lead to food cravings. And it's sugar, salt, fat, and, um, and it's your body is just you know, fighting to stay awake and to stay engaged. And so it'll turn to those foods to do that. Exactly. So college students are presented with a wide variety of options in their cafeteria, but something else I found is that cafeterias are not necessarily open when college students are hungry. And this can lead to a number of different scenarios, one of which is they eat when they're not hungry, um, the other of which is they don't eat when they are hungry, both of which can be pretty um, influential in terms of weight gain. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I think as we reimagine sort of what college campuses can look like to support healthy healthy eating behaviors, we really have to set it up to help people be more intuitive in their eating practices, right? Um, I know that in my home environment, I don't uh, just open up my kitchen <laughs> from, you know, 7 to 9 a.m. and then again from 11 to noon, you know. So I think um, helping students be able to eat when their hunger cues are there is, is really important. Mm -hmm. um, another contributing factor to that is often um, college students who work work odd hours and then that contributes to not only the stress of needing to work, maybe to afford their rent or to afford tuition or textbooks, but then also working hours that then prevent them from going to the cafeteria. Yeah, it's so true. And so then, you know, the scenario is some college campuses will leave their C stores open longer. And so then college students, instead of getting a well-balanced meal in the cafeteria. Which they may or may not choose anyway, but the option's there. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. There might be one extra vegetable or fruit that's chosen in the cafeteria. Then they're left to go into the C-store, and often healthy choices in the C-store are super expensive. Yes. And so then what are you going to get? You're going to get ramen, right? So um, I do – I think that that's a really challenging factor that um, food service at the college level has not really evolved to helping with the modern college student who has more pressure to work outside of um, their school life. Mm-hmm. Um, so on-campus C-stores or convenience stores have a variety of options, usually more unhealthy than healthy, but – Like, my campus food store has started to offer more healthy options, even if they are more expensive. But then thinking about when it's not open, students are going off campus. And I live in Minnesota, so about six or seven months of the year, even though the grocery stores aren't too terribly far away, when I was a freshman and didn't have a car, it was still very difficult for me to muster up the motivation to go to the grocery store in the snow, walking on icy sidewalks, and then carrying food back because food is really heavy, especially if you're getting things like milk or eggs or fruit and vegetables. Right. Well, and even still, you probably didn't have a lot of place to store a lot of those fresh foods, right? So what do you have? You have the ability to store granola bars and chips and things like that that don't, that aren't perishable per se. And um, and so then that puts a college student in a tough spot. Um, Many colleges and universities um, suffer from being not necessarily a food desert, but close to it, right? Not easily accessible grocery stores within a college student's budget. And even if they're able to get there, there just isn't the storage space in most college dorm rooms to store any of those foods, let alone cook it. Mm -hmm. When you're a college student, especially in a first-year dorm, typically you're in a fairly small room. I joke that it's 10 by 10. Usually they're a little bit bigger than that. But not only are you in this room, you're in a room with another person, someone you may or may not know, someone you may or may not like. (laughs) And then there are usually a lot of restrictions on the types of appliances you can have in a dorm room, usually due to um, city codes and how old the building is. So you may only be able to have a two cubic foot fridge or a fridge microwave combo. And that's it as term, in terms of how you can store and cook food. Yeah. And, and I think one of the other struggles, too, is, um, you know, you're a nutrition and dietetics major. So yes. food is near and dear to your heart. Um, but as a professor and a person who's worked out in industry and employee wellness settings, um, food literacy and understanding what to do and, and how to cook food is at an all-time low in mm-hmm. the United States. And so even if the access was there, and so a lot of college campuses are doing a better job at offering uh, fresh produce at a value price on campus, but a lot of students don't know what to do with that. So even if you do get the produce above an apple, you know, what do I do to be creative with an eggplant or a zucchini or things like that? So even accessibility well, a lot of people like to, to hit that one first. And yes, it's the first, you know, a barrier you have to reach is having that food accessible. But if you don't have the food literacy to know how to cook it or to know that it is meaningful to eat in a healthy way, why are you going to bother, right? Mm-hmm. They just don't literally have the foundational tools a lot to be successful in healthy eating, even mm-hmm. if we make it accessible. Yeah. And to add on to that, a lot of times in dorms, you either don't have a kitchen. So if you're trying to prepare eggplant... How are you going to do that when you don't have an oven or a stove or when you didn't come to college and bring a baking pan with you or a knife with you? And sometimes dorms will have like community kitchens, but as someone who lived in a dorm with a community kitchen, I can attest to the fact that usually they're not 
set up super well. Usually they're not clean. Usually, even though it's a community space, it's not a well-treated space. So all those things can also contribute to if people, if they have the motivation to go and get the ingredients, they don't always have the ability to prepare the foods or to store the prepared foods. I hear so much about meal prep, meal prep, but when you have a mini fridge, how are you supposed <laughs> to store a week's worth of food in a little teeny box? Right. It's, it's almost impossible. And so as I think about how we reimagine those community spaces, they need to be well cared for and um, well equipped. And that means that's part of the university services. You can't always rely on the students to be part of that solution. Yes, they can contribute to the cleaning and the care, but it really is something that should be sort of led by a residence hall um, type organization on campus to really make these inviting, creative cooking spaces that equipped with food literacy programming that um, helps make it just part of what's natural in the campus community. Mm -hmm. Speaking of programming, Another thing I've noticed that's pretty prevalent on college campuses, and this is my college campus, this is my friends, my siblings, but usually programs on campus, whether they're educational, whether they're on your floor or through a club, they have food, which is really cool. We're feeding students. But usually that food is cookies, cake, chips, pretzels, pizza, and all all these options are not the greatest. Right. And so as as you think about it, one of the things that we know uh, that we've been taught as educators, so as professors, is that we're supposed to help guide um, our students to be leaders in their fields and in their industry and to help guide them in sort of all walks of their life, you know, even outside of whatever we're doing, you know, help expose them to the best choices that are out there. Obviously, there's individual choice after that, but really to expose it and to for us to be leaders and to help our students be leaders in their chosen field. So if you think about that, um, more opportunities um, on campuses for students to lead wellness initiatives and to put a stake in the ground on what it means to be, um, you know, a nutrition student or a nutrition department. But, you know, there are uh, a lot of K through 12 schools that do wellness policies. But that could be something as, you know, universities sort of rediscover what it means to help their students grow thinking more about wellness policies on campus as well that help students not only be intellectually healthy, but also, you know, body healthy. Mm -hmm. So thinking about health as not just our physical health, but also our emotional health and our intellectual health, I think another big contributing factor to some of the stressors that can cause weight gain in college students is mental health issues. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, And there's a a variety of thing. It is a little bit of a yin and yang, right? So what you eat absolutely affects your mental health. And the mental health, if the head's present, will affect what you eat. And they often snowball on each other too, you know? Um, So we can't really say the chicken and the egg because I think that they both very much are intertwined in effect. And whether one started the other or whatever, they are connected. And so um, having health services on campus integrate nutrition programming into mental health programming is vital. You can't treat the mind without also treating what fuels it. And so, and and our choices. And, And as a dietitian and nutrition educator, we know that food, specific food, impacts mental health and behavior. We also know that each person is a unicorn in its own way. And I always say that um, 
one size fits one in diet planning sometimes, but um, understanding people's um, food intolerances and inflammation factors and things that contribute to um, poor health and mental health being one of those, I think that that would be important in part of the caring of our students in health services. And really focusing on that as part of programming both individually and also at the campus level, talking about mental health, which we're getting so much better at on campuses, but also how nutrition and exercise and sleep all relate to that mental health um, aspect. Absolutely. And thinking about going back to food availability in cafeterias and on, yeah. in campus stores, um, an issue I've heard in talking to my friends, especially especially students who grew up in other countries or with other cultures or with different backgrounds than just your general Midwest white American like I did, they have issues in the cafeteria of finding foods that they're familiar with or that they like. Right. And so then they tend to <clears throat> either not eat enough, which is a problem that we're not talking freshman at 15 anymore, that we're talking inadequate nutrition, which also leads to a bunch of health problems. But it could also end up having these students eat a bunch of junk food. Mm-hmm. And not only still talking about cafeteria food availability, but not only providing foods that are beneficial for international students or students who prefer foods that are different than just your standard average American diet, um, students with type 1 diabetes or with celiac or with other health-related issues that prevent them from eating a standard American diet, which is generally what's most commonly offered and available in cafeterias. And also, I found it's what's the least expensive in cafeterias. So thinking about providing for students so that everybody who comes to the cafeteria is getting a well-balanced meal that isn't going to make them sick. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, a lot of the, the cultural diets that are outside of the United States are much better. So why don't we have more cultural stations? And I would say that some college campuses are getting, getting better at that. And so I like to see that there's momentum around that, and I think we need to keep growing that. Um, I think the other important thing, though, with the freshman 15, the one that we haven't touched on, whether it's the freshman 7 or 15, is um, portion control. Oh, yes. You know, I mean, I, met, I, I talked about it a little bit, but um, human behavior is uh, set up for survival. So we are going to eat sort of in as much as we can in a moment, right? Sometimes people do it to get the most value out of, um, you know, their perceived value. That's why buffets, people tend to always eat more variety and then they want to get their value out of it. But a lot of students don't have um, sort of that experience in knowing what portions they need for a healthy body. They may have been in a family situation where a parent dictated how much was on the plate a little bit, only made a certain amount of food, mm -hmm. and their plate size was small enough that you just, re you know, never really loaded up. You couldn't do seconds because there's so many people in the family or whatever. That was my family. <laughs> so you could never do seconds, right? <laughs> no, we could do seconds sometimes, but you had to be fast. <laughs> you had to be fast. So, and that you know, sets up a situation um, when they come to college of really having no frame of reference on how much should I eat in a sitting. And if you're stressed and multitasking, that's the other thing I can bring up too. Mm -hmm. Multitasking college students. You, if you don't recognize and really intentionally look at your plate and what you're eating, you can completely disassociate yourself from the eating experience, which means that your brain hasn't really registered that you have enjoyed an eating process, and it's going to continue to seek that out. And so if we're spending our time 
on our phones or on our computer when we should be um, just really being intentional about eating our food, maybe conversing with a friend or someone. Um, we can tend to overeat that way too because it's mindless eating. And that happens as I look at, um, at, you know, and this is actually a very interesting stat, that the millennial generation um, is the, the first generation to eat more alone than they do with others. So their eating opportunities are the most um, of any generation by themselves than has previously happened. So um, this eating alone thing tends to also lead to overeating. Interesting. And yeah. thinking about mindless eating, but also... As a college student, thinking about the convenience of if you live in a dorm and you have to walk all the way down the hallway to wash your dish, or maybe you don't have a dish that fits the number of chips you want, you're just going to eat it straight out of the bag. Right. Exactly. You're not going to be intentional about putting a portion size out. You just keep going. I know when I was in college, I used to eat pretzel rods, like the really long stick pretzels. And I would mindlessly eat them, like chomping them. Like I was like a beaver working down a stick. And it was like crazy how fast I could go through a bag because I wasn't being I was studying and using that as a stress relief. Next, I asked Christina about a factor in student health that often takes a lot of students by surprise, alcohol. While officially, Feed That Nation does not support underage drinking or other illegal activities, I felt that it was a really important topic that doesn't get a lot of attention in health discussions. Yes, good to note, and it's so very true. So even though it's freshman 15 and even though that's not a legal drinking age, um, the statistics show that that college students who are underage are drinking. So the stats are telling us that, and that definitely does contribute to it. And again, not a lot of experience, right? And not a lot of experience with how quickly the weight gain can come. And I will say not only that, but there is um, – statistics to also back up the amount of weight gain that happens from smoking weed as well. So we're talking about alcohol, which has calories, but smoking marijuana doesn't have calories, but it does tend to lead to increased eating because of the biochemical processes that are going on in the body, which, you know, make you less inhibited on um, eating food. So lots of stats in both realms. And so when you're adding chemicals into a scenario, you are adding opportunities for weight gain, whether it's directly through the alcohol calories or indirectly from um, other um, drugs. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would say, um, you know, even with and without alcohol, um, and even if alcohol is kept in moderation, which that that's a, what is that word, moderation, right? We've it's hard already to talked about how college students don't know how to moderate portion control. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but, you know, when we think about the choices that are people are making in that moment, um, even if they're moderating their alcohol consumption, the choices that they're making, whether it's pizza or nachos or fried bar food, um, that tends to, you know, there's a lot of late night eating and late night choices are not usually carrot sticks and celery. Usually not, can confirm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
I would also say, you know, one of the things when I think about, and this is a bit outside of the realm of nutrition, but they all work together, right? When we talk, and we've talked a little bit about sleeping and its importance in this factor of weight gain, but also activity and exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's another one to mention too. When you're talking about creating healthy campuses, how do you foster um, more activity? And especially when you live in cold climates like we do, you know, Minnesota tends to be pretty good. We're always ranked as one of the fittest um, states, even though we have a cold climate. But that's always an important conversation when you're talking about college experience in general. You know, the United States is big and every college campus has different struggles on keeping their students active. But gaining weight, a lot of these students um, may not be playing a sport anymore, right? They could have been playing a high school sport, then they come to college and their activity level drops. I mean, they're used to being active and eating at that level that their activity, um, you know, kind of forced them to do in a good way. But that's another factor that I think leads to the weight gain is activity levels drastically change for a lot of students. Ultimately, I think as we think about wrapping this up, I mean, we holistically need to think about our students' um, well-being on campus, not just increasing their mind and their leadership and innovation abilities, but also helping them stay healthy through their experience here and beyond, you know, sort of planting those seeds of health and then helping create a culture of a campus that knows that that's a priority level. Because systemically, when we see all of, you know, some of these other issues, whether it's um, mental health or um, anxiety or, um, you know, just depression, you know, all of those levels of it, much of that could really um, benefit from focusing on nutrition and exercise in a systemic way, not one-off programming, but really looking at food service and how we do that different and teaching students how to take care of themselves because maybe nobody's done that before. So instead of just prioritizing like library research skills or um, how to analyze a scientific study, we also need to integrate how to take care of oneself, like physically, spiritually, financially, like all of those things are really important elements for students when they come in and definitely by the time they leave. So we've talked about a lot of factors that can influence a freshman student's weight gain, and they're all so diverse, and they all impact students individually. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christina. It was really great to have you. Oh, I love this topic. I was so grateful to be here. I'm really looking forward, selfishly, I'm looking forward to um, the next part of this series, too, when you're really talking about um, sort of the next generation of college campuses. You know, how can we reimagine college campuses to create, to embed healthy living systemically? So I think there's a lot that um, higher ed is doing right now to address some of this, but there's a lot more that can be done in the future. So thanks for having me lay the, to talk about laying the foundations for health for freshmen and beyond. It was so much fun to have this conversation with Christina. In part B of this podcast, as she mentioned, I'll be bringing in another guest to dig even deeper into how college campuses can better support their students. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Feed That Nation. My name is Natalie Nation, and I'll talk to you soon.